And this episode of the Disney Dads Podcast is brought to you as a courtesy from our Patreon supporters. They support the show so you don't have to listen to commercials other than maybe some of that amazing um, that amazing travel agent. What was his name? Uh, Justin, over and away with me travel. Of course, of course we need to talk about him a little bit. But other than that, you're not getting any commercials, guys. And that's because of those guys. Now listen, I might be a little biased here, but when I say that they support the show, they also get free content and a lot of shenanigans happens over on the Patreon side. And when I say eh, we have some fun, Guys, I mean, we have a lot of fun, so maybe consider joining them. If not, let's give them at least a round of applause and say thank you for a commercial-free, amazing show. Round one was over. (laughs) Parents won. Kids, sip. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing. That was all started by a mouse. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Gentlemen. Start your engine! To infinity and beyond! There's a touch of madness around here. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Disney Dads Podcast. We're a show that's a little bit about us, a lot about Disney, and fun for the whole family. My name is Mike, and today I have two of my good buddies, my best friends, someone that I love to spend time in the park with. I'll let you guys guess who's with me tonight. One of them believes that a blooming onion should be the official food of Australia, and the other one believes that every family should trade in their minivan for a NASCAR stock car. So I think you know who I have with me tonight, and uh, I'm excited to have them both. Uh, if you haven't guessed already, Dave, I haven't seen you in a while, so I'm happy to hear from you and see that smiling Disney glow. How you been, buddy? Oh, busy is the answer. Uh, very busy in Disney World at the moment. Uh, we have been uh, prepping for the uh, Christmas celebrations and uh, elements of that, that for the televised elements. Uh, so there's been some recording and then just just busy because we come out of one holiday and roll into the next. Joe, how you been? I haven't seen you in a while. No, Mike, I've been good, man. It's been uh, it's been busy here in the uh, greater Daytona Beach, Volusia County area. But, uh, you know, anybody who says that there are no change of seasons in Florida has never lived here because there's plenty of change of seasons here in central Florida. It's been nice, great running weather. It's been nice to go out and play golf and not be sweaty all the time. It's been in the 60s. It's been fantastic. So I'm loving it. It's been uh, everything's been good. I can't complain. Very good. Now, we are missing our good buddy Justin tonight. He's got some family obligations for the next couple of weeks, so he just told me to relay to everybody here that he certainly misses you this week. He's probably going to be out one more week. Uh, He's got some stuff going on, taking care of some family stuff. We know how that goes with the Disney Dads family. Family is always first. But I'm super excited because uh, when we were talking about what we're going to do for an episode tonight, Dave came up with this idea, and I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I love the idea from the time that he brought it up. And tonight we're going to talk about three things. Uh, We're going to kind of hop into that time machine and go back to some pivotal points in Disney history, something that you would want to be there for. Uh, You know, there's a lot of milestones. We've talked about milestones in the Disney history before, the Disney parks. But there's a lot of Disney history that goes that we've talked about on the show before. But what would you want to be there for? If you could hop in that time machine and go back to a specific date, what would you want to be there for the uh, groundbreaking ceremony, grand opening, 
first one to do something, and I thought it was a great idea because I thought of quite a few. I mean, we have all can see, hey, opening day at Disneyland would be a fantastic thing to be to. Uh, I think opening day in Disney World would be. But we kind of wanted to step outside that usual box of, a, of one of those milestones and pick something that might be a little bit obscure that maybe once you start thinking about it, that's something that I would really want to do. And um, I'm happy with my decisions. I can't wait to hear what you guys wanted to pick. So uh, going forward, I want to hear what do you have for your first choice if you hop back in that time machine and you got to pick and go back in Disney history and check it out? Joe, what would be the first thing you wanted to try? So believe it or not, my none of my picks are anything related to resorts, DVC, or anything like that. Okay. So, I mean, so let's just get that right out of the way. So <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's would be all it is. Like the opening of Old Key West, the opening of Saratoga Springs, the opening of that's right. Kadani Village. Well, listen, like, isn't that? <laughs> I would absolutely have loved to have been go back in time and bought some points when they were, uh, you know, $30 a point back at Old Key West. But in all seriousness, um, I want to travel back to January 15th, 1975. And she still sits there. She's the oldest roller coaster in the state of Florida. She's beautiful. She lights up at night, and I want to be there for the opening of Space Mountain. And that opening ceremony, people, they, the Disney company still refers to that. You still see highlights of that opening ceremony. I mean, the fact that they had 2,000 or so band members lined up all along the Wedway People Mover track. They had a Mickey Mouse in a spacesuit there. They had a couple different astronauts there. Uh, Scott Carpenter, who was a Mercury 7 astronaut. Gordon Cooper, a Mercury 9 and Gemini 5 astronaut. Uh, Jim, Irwin, who, Jim Irwin, who was an Apollo 15 astronaut. They, I mean, the pomp and circumstance for the opening of this attraction we don't even we didn't even see it for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. I mean, it's it's something that like I would have loved to have been there. I mean, they released a thousand doves and lit off fireworks in the daytime. I mean, how good does that get? And to be on that type of roller coaster, which back in the day that steel tube roller coaster, I mean it's it's it was the next version of the Matterhorn, right? The Matterhorn was a big deal when it opened Disneyland. And this was a huge deal for Walt Disney World. It was like a first real thrill ride that the park really saw after four years of, after opening. So I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall, been one of the first in that queue, uh, and just have been there for the opening of that. I just think it would have been absolutely amazing. It was broadcast on the uh, the wonderful world of Disney. They broadcast it a few months later, but that's how much of a big deal it was. They even put it on network television, you know, a few months later. And, uh, you know, uh, so I, I would have loved to have been there. So it's my favorite attraction still to this day. I walk in that queue. I hear that music. I ride that attraction. Yes, there are, there are better roller coasters out there, but for me, it just it tugs has those tugs and those strings to the heart. You know what I'm saying? And I've had so many great memories on it. And I would love to just go back in there for when when she was born. I mean, I would love to have been there for that. So yeah, Space Mountain opening day. Would have loved to have been there for that. That's very cool. Who would have believed that if you would have stood out there back then in the you know the mid '70s and said that this ride will stand up to the test of time through where we are today? I mean, that's pretty incredible, pretty impressive. I mean, listen, will we look back at Tron in another 50 years from now and say, "Wow, that was an amazing ride," or was it just the element of technology that came out, or some of the other Disney stuff that we've seen with new technology and rides? I think that's really cool that uh, that that was it. Dave, does Space Mountain have that same kind of warm? space in your heart as it does for some of us oh definitely um i mean what date was that again january 15th 1975 1975 i mean like people must have thought they were out of their mind doing us doing a roller coaster in the dark like and and that is 
years ago. And yet by today's standards, it still holds up. It is still a good roller coaster. It, I wrote it yesterday. <laughs> like it's a great fun roller coaster. So um, it definitely uh, is a pivotal moment. And um, yeah, 100%. Way up there on the Dave, list. Dave, you know what's great about Space Mountain is, you know, they're building Tron behind it, and the indoor part of Tron, it's essentially it's a box, right? I mean, it's it's a show, right? It's a show building. Space Mountain is part of the landscape. It's like when you go, and me and Mike are from the Tri-State area. It's when you see the the skyline in New York. You know, there are certain buildings that you know that you can see a silhouette of it, and you know what they are. And Space Mountain is that. It's part of the Magic Kingdom skyline. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's it's not just a box in the background that houses houses a a roller coaster. It's part of the fabric of that park. You got like Cinderella Castle. You maybe have Big Thunder Mountain. You know, and you got Space Mountain. It's kind of like the three kind of like weenies of 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 the Magic Kingdom that you could see from a distance. I mean, it's she's beautiful. I mean, I I you look across the the of Seven Seas Lagoon at her and at night and she looks amazing. She's all lit up and yeah, I, I love it. So. It's it's one of those moments where you drive towards Disney's Contemporary Resort and which in its own right is beautiful and amazing and you look at the monorail going through it and then like your vision is pulled to your left. And you're like, oh, but there's Space Mountain. Oh, hold on. Yes. So let's go back to the contemporary. Like it definitely draws your attention and is iconic uh, on that approach over that road. Do you, th- so, no. do you think that the Astro Orbiter plays a key part in really, I don't, it's, listen, it's not a great ride. I mean, you know, it's, it's a kind of spin around ride, but do you think because of the way, the height of it, the way it is and the way it's placed in that area, that that really kind of puts the exclamation point on how good Space Mountain looks because it kind of gives it that like Astro Orbital kind of feel for Tomorrowland? Do you think that plays a huge part? If you got rid of Astro Orbiter because it was just such an okay ride, do you think that would change the landscape and the skyline over there in the Tomorrowland? also i definitely think so and one of the things i think mike and dave as well is when you go and you're on top of the contemporary up at california grill or or at a, a top of the world at bailey tower and you see that astro orbiter spinning it kind of reminds you that there are people down there having a good time and enjoying that ride if you were to take that away you kind of forget that there's people down there so right. it kind of reminds you that like wow i am looking into a park it is an active People are having a good time there. It's just it would be, it would be it would be weird if it wasn't there. I w- I definitely would agree with that. Cool. Mike, I, I think that might be one of the most profound things you've said because <laughs> um, I, I have never thought of that. But the amount of times I'm walking through a park and a kid goes, "Oh, is that Space Mountain?" I'm like, "No, that's just Dumbo as a rocket ship." Right. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, that it totally would change that landscape and it really draws you into that moment. But yes, Space Mountain unto itself is that iconic moment as well. Very cool. So Dave, uh, we got to hear what one of Joe's things was. I'm curious to see what's one of your favorite things you'd want to go back in time for. Yeah, I mean, I I think you hit the nail on the head at the top of this show, saying that there are some of those go-to moments that we would just want to be there for. The opening of those Disney parks. um, I'd love to say, yeah, there's there's a bunch of others. I don't want to steal anybody like as a as an off the cuff one. So I'm going to jump to mine, and that is, I would want to be (sighs) December twenty first, nineteen thirty seven. Hmm. There was a lot of pomp and circumstance happening outside and we see videos of that, but to have sat in the Carthay circle theater 
and seen the opening and the debut of a feature-length animated movie of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, something that started an incredible tradition and, and, uh, and at the moment, like there was so many question marks about it. Is it, to, is it going to flop? Is it going to be terrible? Is it going to be incredible? Like every, like, like Walt Disney had promised, like there was so much trepidation and there was so much riding on it. If that moment hadn't gone as planned, if that moment hadn't gone as we now know it went, like he could, he would have died a pauper. He was so far in over his head. And everything was tied to that moment to have sat in that theater and 90 minutes after it opened to have heard the response. Like, I just get chills thinking about it. Like that is one of those pivotal moments where the, the, the Disney company and the history of the Disney legacy took an intake of breath. Yeah. And waited. I'm, I'm blo- I mean, listen, I, I was trying to think of some things that was really important to me, and that's definitely something that you brought up that I, I didn't even think of going that route when it came to, uh, you know, to, to the Disney history. And obviously, it's a huge point. Uh, it's, and it's, a, it's an amazing point. And yeah, to be a fly on the wall, to be there for that would be oh. absolutely amazing. I, I could definitely agree with you. I've, I've got to, I've got to be in some, I've got to do some fun things. And uh, I was at the opening of Galaxy's Edge that uh, Joe mentioned and things like that. But just that moment to sit in that theater yeah yeah just 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 think about this if that didn't go well dave the three of us would not be sitting here right now right because no we'd be talking about nazca right yeah i i'd have to fill my life with something and i assume (laughs) that would be it so and uh, you've already got that so and mike can at least talk about it so yeah we we'd just be doing you know what let's scrap it let's do a podcast about NASCAR starting Listen, right we now. We can talk about Australians' <laughs> uh, V8 cars if you want to. You know what I'm saying? But, oh, there you go. We can talk Ford versus Holden. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> but in all seriousness, man, like we, like you're right. There was so much riding on that. Like essentially, their whole, all their finances were put into that. And like I said, we wouldn't be here talking about Disney World. There, there would be no Disney World. There would be no Disneyland possibly. So I mean, if that didn't succeed at the time, there, there would it would be a blip on the radar of oh yeah, remember when that guy tried to make us watch a cartoon? Yeah. You wouldn't even know the name. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, well done, crazy, nice yeah, pick, very good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to one of my first picks, and I think it was pretty cool. And I probably could have been there. I mean, I was a Disney fan during this particular time, and you know, this was when our family was just starting to get into it. And um, it wasn't that long ago, believe it or not. I mean, at least it doesn't seem like that long ago to me. And that would be the absolute first inaugural Disney cruise, and that was back in July 30th of 1998. Originally, the Disney Magic was supposed to take off in March of 1998, but it got postponed a few times due to you know some setbacks, and the uh, the Disney Magic. Uh, sailed out of Port Canaveral, went to Nassau and stopped the castaway, which is you know similar to stops to what they did now. And uh, that that first cruise opened up a whole lot of vacationing when it came to the Disney Company, and that really, uh, I, you know, we talk about how we wouldn't have the you know, Disney Company if it wasn't for that movie. Uh, we wouldn't have Dave if it wasn't for the Disney cruise ships, if I remember correctly, <laughs> right? I mean, that's how you got your start in the company. It is indeed. It is. I. It was actually that moment was one of the most moments on my shortlist okay. like I, I i was like and i i kind of think i 
pushed it to one side because it, I do have a personal connection to it. And I, I was trying to, uh, and I was trying to find some other, like other things I wanted to, to point uh, this episode in the direction of, but I appreciate you bringing it up. Yeah. Like just to, can you imagine like we that iconic and i know justin does a much better interpretation of it than me but just that iconic horn of the (laughs) and to have been there the first time that got heard yeah like as as she christened the ship and the stream is blue and they released doves that day as well. You talk about the days they released doves. Uh, I actually know the guy who was in charge of figuring out how to get the doves to fly from Port Canaveral all the way because they were homed at uh, Magic Kingdom. And he gradually took them further and further afield an extra mile each day. And for like two months, he gradually worked them further and further away from the castle uh, so that they would uh, know their way home. That's crazy. There you go. Yeah. Very cool. So. The, you know, I've done the Disney cruises before. I absolutely love them. I've had such a blast on them before. Uh, Joe, have you done Disney cruises before? I forget. No. Man, I've been, ta- I've been talking about going on a Disney cruise for years on this podcast. In my personal life, it's just, it's never happened. I've been on one cruise in my entire life, and I was like nine years old. So I have a lot to learn about cruising. Uh, I was supposed to go on a non-Disney cruise before COVID happened, and I was all excited for that. I was doing my research and everything, but I have yet to do a Disney cruise, though. Uh, I've heard great things about them. I've mm-hmm. heard the service is absolutely amazing. Hence, Dave, you still work on one of the boats. But uh, hopefully one of these days I'll get to uh, experience what everybody uh, rants and raves about. You know, it's a It's a ship. Okay, it's not a boat. Sorry, <laughs> we've had that discussion I, before. I, I grew up on the. I, I grew up watching those big red boat commercials. You know, when Disney had. Uh, Correct. Yes, so. when there was a licensing agreement where <laughs> the Disney characters appeared on another company. You yes. know, Laura and I were on our honeymoon when we first got married. We went to Nassau in the Bahamas, and we stayed at I think it was Atlantis, one of those resorts over there. And um, you know, one of the things when we were going on our honeymoon was either we we're going to do a Disney uh, trip, you know, like do a Disney World, and we haven't done it, really did it, and. And uh, we did that when we started having kids. And the other was a Bahamas vacation. So, you know, us being the young adults and not really having kids and thinking, ah, Disney would be just a, you know, a kid's vacation. We don't want to do that. We were literally sitting on the beach and we watched one of the boats pull in and we heard that horn and we're like, we should have been in Disney. (laughs) So it definitely has a, you know, warm place in our hearts. So, uh, so yeah, definitely... I would love to have been there for the first one, and uh, I'm certainly going to enjoy some more in the future. Uh, Joe, what do you got for me? What's your next one? So the next one I'm going to go with, Mike, it's a time in the in the in a lot of mine are Walt Disney World because That's where my heart is, right? And uh, it's my, one of my favorite times, I think, in Walt Disney World history, and it's kind of during the Disney Renaissance. And I'm going back to May 1st, 1989, and the opening of the Disney MGM Studios theme park. And it's really fun to take a look back at what was there on opening day how small it was uh, just, you know, it was a fully functional production uh, warehouse at the time. I mean, a warehouse a studios at the time. And I would have loved to have been there to experience like, because it was the first one I opened since Epcot. Right. So, and it was something that had never been done before. Uh, it was it kind of, they kind of jumped ahead of universal because their universal was kind of doing that at the time as well. But mm-hmm. I mean, it was a big deal back in 1989. They had uh, Michael Eisner was there for the dedication, 
They had celebrities such as George Burns, Walter Cronkite, uh, Rue McClanathan, Estelle Getty from the Golden Girls, Dick Van Dyke, Suzanne Summers. These were all people that were there uh, for the opening day ceremony that was broadcast on the one uh, Magical World of Disney, uh, which was actually they actually broadcast a special the day before the park opened, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, it, they gave everybody like a preview before it actually opened. But I would have loved the been there. The opening day attractions. Uh, you had the great movie rides, Superstar Television, uh, Monster Sound Show. Uh, the and just the original backstage studio tour when it was fully functional and and they had everything was there in place. Unfortunately, I went there as a kid in like 1990, 1991. I don't remember a lot of it. The end of the backstage studio tour days, it was a shell of itself. And that's kind of what I remember. So I would love to go back in time and see what it was fully stocked, what it was built for that purpose, what it was actually like. Uh, that's what, I would love to go back and see. And I just, I love that. I love that point. There was so much going on at Walt Disney World at the time with the, the studios opening up. You had the the debut of the Grand Floridian. Yacht and Beach Club were opening up. Swan and Dolphin were opening up. Caribbean Beach was opening up. You had so many things going on at Walt Disney World at the time. It's just such an amazing, uh, an amazing time. And to be there for the opening of the studios, I would have absolutely loved it. Uh, and if you're ever bored and you're looking for something to do on your phone, look up an original map of Disney's MGM Studios and just how little it was compared to what, and it's a small park now. It really is, but just how really little, how much little was there on opening day. It's pretty fun to look at. I just posted one of those things in the group a couple of days ago. I found, I was, uh, we've been cleaning stuff out around the house and I found one of those passport books, you know, one of those, uh, uh, Disney guides to Walt Disney world. And it was, had to be from, uh, like 2007 or two. And I was going through that and I, I actually took a couple of pictures and posted them in the group of how small, um, MGM was at the time. And, uh, it was had the pleasure Island map of what was, you know, now is Disney Springs. And uh, it was a pretty cool book. And I obviously had not throw the book out. I saved it. And it's kind of cool to look and see. Uh, it actually had the, uh, before Fantasyland expansion and the Magic Kingdom map, you know, before when it had the Mickey's Toontown and all that kind of stuff. And when Dumbo was in its original spot. So it was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I listen. You know how much I love Star Wars. You know how much I love Galaxy's Edge. You know how much I that that means to me. I really miss that whole movie aspect of Hollywood Studios. Uh, I, I know you, obviously Star Wars is a huge movie and it belongs in a movie studio. But having that working set and the behind the scenes stuff. I mean, one of my favorite things. I think I've mentioned it before was when you leave the lights, motor action stunt show and you kind of walk around this back of the stage. You would see the shop where they're working on the cars and they would have the cars apart and they have the mechanics in there and you know that that real gritty behind the scenes. You know, there's so many things in Disney you don't want to see how it works, how it ticks. Like I don't want to see how you know how the magic is in, in the haunted mansion but i'd love to see how the magic works in a studio set you know when you kind of get that little behind the scenes so i definitely miss that with hollywood studios that was going to be one of my um things that i wanted to go back for i went with something a little different when it came to park opening i'll get to that in a few minutes but uh dave you want anything you want to add to the opening of mgm i mean an iconic moment uh in the disney company and it was it was really marked a turning point where we'd kind of been in the best part of nearly a decade with a little bit of a slump and where they were trying to figure out what their new direction was. And I know that um, the, um, the Disney dads podcast reading group book club um, have been looking at a book that deals with this time period and the, the, 
the emotion that, that went into this um, expansion and this collaboration with MGM and where we gave them like billing in the name of the park. And it was such a, a big moment for the company. Um, and those, that list of stars that were in attendance, Joe, that's, that's quite a, I mean, there, that, that's that, a bigger list than that. I just grabbed a few of the, the right. Ones, but but. Yeah. That's a, that's a big moment in the company's history. And uh, I mean, the opening of any park is always going to be, but yeah like MGM studios. Uh, East coast. I mean, it was where they said, Hey, we're going to take this thing, this part of the company that is iconically, uh, iconically an East, uh, a West coast element where the ink and paint people are out there and they're working in an actual studio and we're going to make, movies we're going to make tv we're going to ink and paint right here in orlando like it was huge yeah i miss i miss the old aspect of that studio uh dave what's your uh, second one all right well i dropped a date on you a few moments ago um and uh, and we looked a little curious as to where it was i'm going to give you another date uh this date is february 3rd 1986 and i intentionally wanted to do something do something just uh, uh, an element of the company that um, that has changed what we do, uh, because there was a fledgling little division of what we call ILM, Industrial Light and Magic, which was part of Lucasfilm and Lucas Arts, and they'd been working with computer graphics and animation, and on February third, uh, they walked into their office and got told that. This guy that ran Apple had basically bought out that department of the company and they were going to be turned into their own company to be able to do some incredible things and do what they want. It's the date of the origin of Pixar. Hmm. Um, and Steve Jobs uh, had looked at what uh, what this, div this division of LucasArts was doing and said, all right, we're going to pour some money into this and we're going to, we're going to take his computers and we're going to start really pushing the boundaries on how computer graphics could uh, influence animation. And we now have 24 films and uh, an incredible array of Disney Pixar characters that have entered our theme parks. Um, like it really sent, uh, sent, the Disney company in a different direction, even though it was, it wasn't even part of the Disney company at the time that it happened. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I wanted to give Pixar a shout out and, and what they do. Now, if I remember correctly, cause I, I could be off and I could be just mixing some things together. When they got rid of the captain EO show, wasn't there a Pixar short where they kind of explained some of that history over in that theater? I well, I, there was Honey, I Shrunk the Audience for right. a while, and then uh, but 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 that, but but there was, I believe, a a short film that explained like Pixar and the company, okay, the company and the, and the bouncing ball and all that stuff, and yeah, and yeah, Luxo and some of those things. I, I mean, you can probably find it somewere on Disney Plus, probably <laughs> nowadays. <laughs> as, you were, yeah, um, as you were telling the story, it was kind of ringing a bell, and I, I could almost picture okay, it in my yeah. head. And I remember if I had seen like, it in a park like, or something that I saw online. That's where. This were a bunch of guys that were sitting in a sitting in a their offices and 
and didn't even know like who they really were working for at that time. Like we think of a, a department in transition and becoming its own company. That's huge. Like, and, and they just, and they continue to like push the boundaries over the next like 10 years and less than that, nine years later, we had Toy Story. Yeah. Great movie. That's incredible. Yeah. Like 1986 to 1995. And they went from, yeah, we're going to occasionally like help out a graphics team and do some cool things with a computer to, all right, we're going to make this lamp jump up and down and we're going to do, release tin toy and all these cool little shorts and we're going to push towards Pixar as we now know it. So, yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool date and a, a, one of those moments that I'd love to just be in the room for. Hey, Dave, I think we take for granted as fans the amount of Pixar characters that we interact every day, like in the Disney fan community and in the, in, in the parks that we don't even think about it now. We just think about it as Disney oh, 100%. characters. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, we, we there's there's some of those ones where you almost like forget like just how. And I walked into a break room today and Up was playing. And like it was like the first eight minutes of Up. I just stood there going. Oh, like it's such an emotional journey. Those first eight minutes of up, like you're just ripping your heart what out. What kind of break room plays that? <laughs> rise of the resistance. Oh, okay. I, if I was able to stand there for eight minutes, I had to have time for something. It was rise. Yeah, but it's not an uplifting thing to put on for you. People that are trying to get a 10 minute break. <laughs> there, there are a bunch of first order guys sitting around. They don't care. Oh, I'm surprised. Yeah. I'm surprised Dave, they were playing that. I learned one of the things from one of the tours is if you're ever backstage, they play anything but Disney music just to mix it up a little bit. Correct. Uh, the Utilidor uh, intentionally doesn't play Disney music. Um, it plays top forties, um, music just so, but that's just so people can get, it's a small world out of their head. Okay. Makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Um, can you imagine being at work, hearing that and then walking downstairs on your break and that's what you're listening to? Like, yeah, it's kind of like being on the phone with Disney Um, IT for four hours trying to get a reservation. Oh, that's fun too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so. But no, they like there is some great characters. Good point. They're, yeah. And I mean, I like Pixar's ability and even Disney's ability to kind of poke fun at each other a little bit. Uh, I go, my, my head immediately jumps to um, Ralph Breaks the Internet, uh, where we met all the princesses and Merida starts talking and you can't understand it with her big Scottish accent. And one of the other princesses goes, don't worry about her. She's from the other studio. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just this little tongue in cheek back and forth that they have. Very cool stuff. So, so I'm going on to my second one and it's kind of a, yeah, what do you got? It's kind of what an expected got, date. I mean, we, we knew one of these, I mean, listen, we had Hollywood studios to me. I think this is a very underrated park. I certainly enjoy it as an adult. Uh, and that was the opening day of Epcot. And that was October 1st, 1982, the experimental prototype community of tomorrow, as we know it, uh, same thing. They released doves. I'm starting to see a trend here. I, I guess your dove guy was very busy because they had a huge ceremony there. Uh, the Sherman Brothers actually wrote a specific song just for the occasion, uh, the World Showcase March. And, um, I mean, listen, Epcot is, you know, sometimes as a kid, uh, you know, as a young child wanting those thrill roller coaster rides, it doesn't get a lot of love because of, you know, because of the history that you have there, because of the pavilions and some of the other stuff. But I think it's a fantastic park. I think... Uh, as a child, it doesn't get a lot of love, but I think as an adult, it's a fantastic place. 
And to be there for the actual opening and then be able to see it now to what it's grown into, I think would be absolutely amazing. So Epcot is one of those parks where it, it, it's like when you were a kid and went to a museum. And you're, like, you're like, this stinks. I don't want to be here. But, <laughs> but, but when you get older, you appreciate what you're actually seeing in front of you. And that's what Epcot is. It, it's like we, we miss what it was. And I would give anything to go back and ride World of Motion again as a car guy. I would give anything to go back. I don't remember Horizons as a kid. I don't. I've had to watch so many YouTube videos on Horizons. I would love to go back and experience that. Kitchen Cabaret. Like I was gonna, about to say, I was going to start singing Veggie Veggie. Exactly. Too, but, and, and, yeah. You know what, Dave? And even if you go back to, I would love to go to the original uh, Communicore. And just to go see all about the, the computers that were running Epcot. And it, like that was a big deal back in the day. And just to see, wow, this this is like, this is, oh, these computers here are running the park. And this is, and, and the world key. And just seeing like the original touch screens, you know, like we, we didn't appreciate those kids. We didn't know. But we would go anything to go back in time and be like, wow, that was really cool. That was cutting edge at the time. That's, we, we realized how valuable and how we should, I wish we would have enjoyed it more, but we were younger. We just didn't. Didn't appreciate didn't it. Didn't appreciate it. Took it for granted. Oh. <laughs> oh, dear. I mean, yeah, Epcot is. Epcot was a glimpse at one of those passion projects of Disney, of Walt himself. And he wanted he wanted that that ability to showcase how technology is going to influence us in the future. And um uh, and I mean, there's certain things that you got to wonder, like when he was imagining that, did he picture everybody walking around with a handheld device that connected them to all the information in the world? Like just things like that. But like this was this was his passion for how can we do things more efficiently and how can we think about how a city is set up before the city is set up and how does that then help us? Um, uh, I, it's I love looking at the model in uh, the people mover when you go into space mountain on the people mover and you're in that uh, paging, Mr. Morrow, Mr. Tom Morrow in that hallway. Um, and you see that laid out center element of the city and the, the tr modes of transportation feeding out to the, the housing areas and things like that. He had this grand scheme and we had to morph that idea and say, okay, what, what, how are we going to showcase things? Uh, but yeah, Epcot, it's iconic. Yeah. And I say with, with Disney doing a lot of change guys, the one thing that I do approve of is, and they listen to the fans. Sometimes they don't do that. The company doesn't, they have their agenda, but they brought back the original logo. They brought back a similar typeface to what was the original Epcot center like font and i'm glad they did that because it makes us older fans who that's what we grew up with it, it, it gives us that link you know what i'm saying i like that they brought back the original logos for the future world pavilions it just has a nice touch when they were re, re, redoing it i think uh i just think it was a nice touch what would happen dave if i were to walk into epcot today and ask a cast member excuse me you know sir or ma'am i need to make some dining reservations tonight is the world key booth around here anywhere that can help me with my reservations like what would they actually what it would have to cast members even know what i was talking about they're probably i want to say no uh particularly with the amount that have the reshuffle in disney world that has happened recently where a lot of those longer serving cast members have had opportunities to move into some very interesting training roles and things like that where yeah 
we've we've got people now working in guest relations um, that have definitely no idea what that is. Uh, that said, if you walked in and said that to me, it might even take me a second to twig that you were referring to something. You should try that. Can you? Um, can we make that a TikTok challenge? Walk around, Ep- uh, walk around Disney and ask a difficult question to a young person. That would be like, <laughs> especially one a college underneath their name tag, right? <laughs> right. Any, any anybody re- representing a college, you're, you're yeah. There's zero chance you're going to know what that is. Hey Joe, what's your uh, number one thing you want to go back in time for and, and rehash and check out? So I, I didn't get the chance to experience If it. you steal mine, I'm going to leap through this computer, okay? <laughs> well, like- gonna, well, I know we're audio only right now, but it's it's behind me right now. So if it's... Okay, so <sighs> okay, Dave, okay, Dave can rest easy. I'm fine. Uh, yep. While I travel back to May 1st, 1989, there's a, a trend with my time period that I, I picked, but uh, I didn't get a chance to experience this fully but it's the opening of Pleasure Island, the original Pleasure Island. And uh, I guess it would be the Disney Village Marketplace area, I would assume it was called. But uh, it came from Church Street Station. Uh, Eisner saw a you know an opportunity, saw people leaving property. There wasn't really much to do at night at Disney World. And people are going down to downtown Orlando to Church Street and going to all the bars and restaurants down there. And so they decided to build a, a place to keep people on property. I think it's kind of the first thing to keep people in the bubble per se you know a, a nighttime experience and the original pleasure island just it was it looked so cool i mean some of the attractions or clubs that were there were videopolis um imagine being at a club where you had were dancing around 170 video screens i mean it just for that time it just seemed like it was a crazy you know it wasn't something that you you would experience it was there was a flat screens everywhere you know uh the adventurers club hear stories about it all the time uh. never got to experience the adventurers club uh i just would love to have been to take part in that the neon armadillo as somebody who has married a southern girl and has grown a country to country music do a little bit of line dancing that'd be a lot of fun a comedy warehouse who doesn't love to go to a comedy show i i would love to go right now to say let's go to see a comedy show tonight in disney i think that would be absolutely amazing uh there was a uh, a place called Zephyr's Rock and Roller Dome. As somebody who is a big hockey fan, I love to ice skate. I love to rollerblade. The fact that you could go and roller skate or rollerblade at the time in Disney World, I think that would be. I mean, we we talk about Splitsville in downtown Disney World. Let's go bowling. Imagine a place you could bring like your rollerblades with you and go like skating. I, the funny thing is, even in my town here in the Daytona Beach area, there is a roller rink still open and it's packed. So I mean, there's an untapped market there, Disney. You know, you could kind of bring that back, but there was so many cool. You're saying bring back r- roller disco? It, it could be disco. Dave, you're a DJ, <laughs> right? You know, you, you, you... hey, you, you, I'll make it happen. The NBA you know, place just closed, right? That's a little, yeah. Uh, got some real estate there. And and then there was one other thing too. Is uh, there was a place called the Fireworks Factory, and it was like a restaurant that opened, and they supposedly they had some crazy cocktails there. So there's so many cool things that like I was 10, 11 years old when this was happening. I I walked around. I didn't get a chance to go into the clubs because I wasn't old enough. But I think to go back and be able to experience these, I think it would be a lot of fun. It's something downtown or Disney Springs is great now with the bars and restaurants. But this was a whole different level. And I just think it'd be a lot of fun with the variety that they had. All right. So a couple of things. Uh, Firstly, Joe. Under no circumstances should we be suggesting to our guests that they want to go to Church Street in Orlando. Well, okay, it is not the same no, as it was. No, it's in not the, the same 80s. as it is. It's great. Woo! Do not go to Church Street. I cannot emphasize that enough. Um, second of all, um, I only got to go once. 
uh, I was doing traditions in Orlando um, at cel- at the celebration offices of Disney Cruise Line. And we were, um, and we kind of like had our first couple of nights there before we then had to head to the cruise line to get on board. And I vividly remember like at lunch, we were discussing like what we were going to do. And somebody was like, Oh, there's, you go to, you jump on a bus and you go to Disney Springs and you um, have the, and you, and there's pleasure Island there. And then as we came back from lunch, there was a very stern warning from one of our instructors that went, look, we went to all the trouble to fly you from corners of the world to get on a ship and you're working for the company. And if you get a little too messy um, in, in pleasure Island, it may not end well for you and you might wind up on another plane headed home. So just be careful. And like, it struck fear into us. And so I had a good time, but I definitely didn't go over the top like some people uh, at the time were doing. I remember walking through it going, oh, my goodness, this is there's people going everywhere. And this was this was 2007. So this was right towards the end. Like it closed while I was on a ship. And I just picture, Dave, the the night that the four of us got together and Rick Reagan down in in, in Disney Ah. Springs. And I just transport us back to that time where. I could imagine the five of us going to like. It would have been a very oh my goodness, like night. going to near. I could see like me and Justin at their line dancing. I mean, like this the the. I'm just picturing us calling Katie and organizing to bail money. Like, yes, it would have it would have um, it would have yeah. been epic. So yeah, <laughs> maybe it's better off this way. I don't know, but. All right, um, moving on, moving on. Yes, Pleasure Island. Uh, Mike, did you ever get to go? I actually have pictures of walking Sarah through there uh, with the old Pleasure Island, that, that that archway that says that. So I had to dig them up and post them on the uh, on the group. Uh, I have them in one of our older albums. Matter of fact, I was cleaning the closets out the other day, and I found a lot of our old Disney pictures. So I'm going to try and post some of those in the group the next couple of weeks because I found nice. some old stuff. I found those old Fast Passes and some other stuff. So, But, yeah, I, I didn't get to experience it the way I should have experienced it. I didn't get to experience it as a you know going out party kind of thing. I just kind of passed through breathed and saw it so like joe i didn't get to really uh, experience the way i would have the way we get to experience disney springs now um so i i kind of wish that i was there for that and a very good choice uh dave i hope you don't pick my number one choice but what's your number oh, one choice i'm, I'm very excited to hear we go. yours. all right so um i did uh, I, I made some conscious choices with mine i picked uh snow white uh, as the origin of of Disney Animation Studios, mm-hmm. I picked Pixar, um, and the date it became an actual company. And then I picked. I, I didn't want to pick like the opening of Walt Disney World fifty years ago. All of that. I picked uh, a moment that symbolized how close they were getting to that. It happened in July of nineteen seventy-one, okay. and it is referred to as topping the castle. Uh, and you can actually find pictures of it online if you um, uh, if you scroll through um, and you can simply type topping Cinderella's castle into Google and it will bring up some images. But it's that moment where the scaffolding is around the castle, hasn't been completed, and there's a crane 
lifting the very top spire into place. Um, it, it's as we've progressed as a company, you can find videos of when they did it for Hong Kong, there was a special moment when they did it for Shanghai, there was a special moment. Um, it's, it's an iconic moment for a magic kingdom style park to, for their castle to round that final corner and head towards completion. And, uh, Topping the castle is a very important moment um, for Walt Disney World uh, and for Cinderella's castle there. And if I could go back and just stand on what we now know is the hub and just sit and watch it, I just want to see that touch down, fall into place and see everybody's hard work, the fruition of it be realized on how close they are. Like that's July. They're, they're three and a half months away from welcoming guests into the park for the first time. That's insane. Ah, oh, that's where I want to be. That's my number one. Talk about being a construction worker and, you know, building buildings and you know, doing all sorts of stuff. To be able to have and wind up on that dream job project and being the person who is there for that. I mean, <clears throat> you, you take for granted that, that you know, that, that this just stuff just didn't appear. You know, there were people behind this. And, you know, uh, we have friends, obviously, and, and, you know, Disney family members who work for the company who do construction stuff and do stuff. And um, a lot of that kind of gets pushed by the wayside. And you don't focus on that so much. And obviously, super, super cool thing. I'm, I'm glad you uh, you picked that. Uh, I wouldn't even have thought of that. That was, a, that was a really cool moment that I would love to go back and see as well, too. It would be fun to go back in time, Dave, and, and tell those people there, be like, by the way, you're topping the castle right now. This is going to be the most photographed object in the world for years to come. A little to the left. I literally, I <laughs> you know how I just said like earlier that I got chills. You said that sentence and I felt it creep down my back. Like that is, can you imagine telling those people yeah. that what they're working on would become like, like, well, let's just be honest. Let's tell them that it would be Mike Stolfi's uh, background while he did a podcast. Right. Uh, <laughs> like, it's just this beautiful image and that this is what they're creating. Yeah. And that every girl on Instagram would have a photo of. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 but think about this, too. The amount of homes that have that castle in their home displayed mm -hmm. uh, through, throughout the world. Just, yeah. it blows my mind. Like I'm nearly like moved to tears right now. Like that's so iconic. Yeah. I picked it cause I just would want to sit there and watch it. But yeah, like being able to like communicate to those people. That's my moment in time. That's where I want to be. Very cool. That's my number one. Mike, what's your All number right, one? So I'm going to throw the date out there. Maybe you'll guess it by the date. Maybe you won't. I, I'm, I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready. April 22nd, 1964. Oh, wow. Hold on a second. Hold on. Don't Google it. Is that the, no, is no. That the opening of Shea Stadium? Clo uh, very <laughs> it's close. close. It's close. It's open at 64. Right? <laughs> very close. Um, okay. So April 22nd is Earth Day, okay. um, which then became the opening day for uh, Disney's Animal Kingdom theme park. 1964 means where Disneyland has been open for coming up. It's been open for nine years. <sighs> No, I got, no nothing. I got nothing. The 1964 New York's World Fair. 
Oh, dang it. Of course. See, I, 64. I needed to focus on that. Ah. And Joe, you were very close because I was, was close. Just I was in the uh, shadow of Chase <laughs> Stadium. I was, in the, I was in Flushing Meadows, right? So. Yeah, it's right there. There's yeah. somebody else screaming at their at their car stereo right now. Like this, they're listening to this podcast and they're like, Dave, why didn't you get that? Yeah, I, listen to me. That was. It's Unker. Unker is screaming at me right now. That's a huge moment. With Dis- well, when it comes to Disney World, I mean, originally people were thinking maybe that was going to be the uh. New York, uh, you know, East Coast version of what Disney's going to be. And, you know, we got to see in that 1964 the preview of Small World, Great Moments of Mr. Lincoln, the Carousel Theater of Progress, the Ford, uh, the, the, the the Skyway they had where it had the, the cars that now became part of the People Mover. You know, they had the same technology as they would drive through and see dinosaurs. Uh, animatronics really gave birth there. And um, that was kind of where they got the idea for the Florida Project. So that was a huge, huge, huge milestone in Disney history and something that was only there for a short amount of time to be there for opening day and get to preview those things I think would be absolutely amazing and I mean listen I grew up in the shadows over there I wasn't born in 64 I was born in 74 10 years later but uh but yeah I mean that that was a huge part of Disney history and I think that was something that would I would absolutely love to go to I've been to the World's Fair area I've been to that sphere uh like I said I grew up maybe 10 minutes from there and you know right near Shea Stadium that's my old stomping grounds as a kid. You know, I grew up in Flushing, Queens. So uh, I've been to that area, obviously not during the 60s, but uh, but I think that's something that I would love to absolutely go see. All right, next time I'm in New York, that's where I want to go. I've never been there. You're not missing much. I'm sitting here. <laughs> now you're not missing much. <laughs> I realize it's not much now, but like we're sitting here talking about being a, like, uh, that's such a pivotal moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mike, great choice. Yeah. Great choice. Ah, oh. lots of good history there, Joe. You, you ever you, you know, ever look at any of the history of the World's Fair? I, a little bit, because I mean, I used to drive by it on the Grand Central all the time. The, the relics that are left over from mm-hmm. uh, the World's Fair, and especially being a Met fan, I've been to Flushing Meadows how many times? So, or, or going to see you know tennis at the tennis center. Uh, but I, I a little bit to see like what it was all about. Like it would have been cool to be in New York to see like wow, this is like this huge World's Fair going on like like in the shadows of the brand new Shea Stadium that just opened, that whole area of Queens was being developed and like everybody's coming here and showcasing their products and their ideas. And I mean, we don't see anything like it anymore. We really don't. It would have been cool to see what actually transpired there. Yeah, and the whole Disney exhibit was from April 22nd uh, of 1964 to October 18th of 1964, and then it closed down for a few more months. Then it reopened on April 21st, 1965, to October 17th of 1965. So they kept them open for a few months in between, and obviously with New York you know, harsh weather, uh, they closed it up during November, December, January, and then they reopened it up back in April. And um, very cool stuff. And if you look at some of the other stuff they had there besides Disney, it was a huge showcase. And... Um, um, something that I would definitely love to uh, kind of you know ponder through. You know, one of the things that if we were to travel back in time, uh, a lot of these times you got to capture these special moments on camera. And if you had those special moments on camera, I know a great place you could post them. You could post them in our Facebook group, and that brings me to my favorite thing every week, and that would be picks of the week. Picks of the week. Picks of the week. It's time for us to get our picks of the week. Joe, what do you got for me? What's your pick of the week? So the Wine and Dine Half Marathon Weekend has just ended. And as somebody who's done a lot of Run Disney races, I know how exciting it could be to 
to show everybody how much fun you had during the weekend, show off your medals, especially seeing those race photos that you get from your photo pass uh, photographers that are out there on course. Uh, I know it's exciting to, you know, because your friends and family can't see you during the race the whole time. And so my picks of the week uh, go to Matt Zurek. Uh, he was down there for the uh, Wine and Dine Half Marathon weekend at Walt Disney World. And uh, he said he spent eight nights there at four parks. He did run Disney races. Uh, he enjoyed Kite Tales and Genie Plus. Uh, he had an issue with a Disney chef. I guess he's got some allergies, he was saying. And uh, it didn't turn out well for him the one night, but we're glad he's okay. But he posted some great photos uh, of him with his uh, medals and uh, some pictures running through the studios down Sunset Boulevard with the Tower of Terror in the background and with all of his medals that he accomplished from his, his weekend. So congratulations to Matt and all the other uh, DDP family members who ran uh, this past weekend or two weeks ago now, uh, Wine and Don Half Marathon Weekend. Well done. So that is my pick of the week. Very good. Great pick. Dave, what do you got for me? What's your pick of the week? All right. So um, I love different people's reactions to writing a particular ride or any ride for that matter. Uh, but I, there's a photo that was posted the other day, which captures three very different reactions to it. Uh, it was posted by Hunter Stewart and Hunter wrote that he finally uh, got an opportunity to ride Everest with his wife. Uh, he's usually with small kids uh, and that are not able to. So he and his wife got to ride it. Um, and it, it really captures some very different emotions within the photo because uh, there are two young ladies that are screaming and losing their minds on the ride. Uh, his wife has apparently uh, zoned out and is trying to find her happy place because uh, the backwards part of Everest had got to her. And um, Hunter is eyes wide open, loving that drop uh, as he heads down uh, the coaster on Expedition Everest. And yeah, just three very different reactions uh, captured in one photo and uh, a great little moment uh, for him and his wife to be able to enjoy uh, and to remember that, yeah, they got their first ride on Expedition Everest. Very cool. Great picture. Love it. Mike, what's yours? My picture is going to go to Ashley Hamill, and she had a quick two-night stay at the Poly, and she got some great pictures on there, the gingerbread house, the Christmas trees. I can't believe, I mean, we know it's getting cold up here. It's that time of year again for Christmas. And uh, listen, th those lobbies decorated Christmas time. we've talked about it before on some of the pod on some of the episodes on what are some amazing lobbies to go and see. Uh, great pictures. got a great picture of the 50th Castle. So, Ashley, you have my pick of the week. Uh Listen, a lot of other great posts out there. There are so many ways you guys can inter, you know, interact with us. Post them on our Facebook page, Disney Dad Facebook page. Uh, you know where to get us. You've seen us before. Uh, Justin does a great job of doing this whole uh, <laughs> this whole rundown of where to get us on social media. You guys know where to get us. Uh, I had a great time this week talking about this stuff. Um, anything guys you want to add? Any closing remarks? Dave, Joe? No, I mean, I just, uh, I heard this idea of being able to go back in time and be present for a moment. And I thought, let's see how that attaches to uh, Disney and to um, a, a company that has such rich heritage and such amazing moments in it. Uh, I'd love to, um, when this drops, I think we definitely should start a feed and have people uh, throw out because there's just so many moments that one could pick to, to go back to. Uh, and I'd love to hear uh, what the Disney dads podcast family think of, uh, of a moment within the Disney 
legacy that they would like to to have been there for. Yeah, and and when this topic came out, I was so excited too. This was not an easy. This was an easy thing for me to come up with three ideas. I'm like, oh my god, I'll do A, B, and C. And as somebody who is big into the retro stuff, uh, and it doesn't matter if it, it's like Dave talking about you know Seven Doors back in the day, or Mike wanting to go back to the World's Fair in New York, or me wanting to go back to the opening of Pleasure Island. There's something for everybody that that. You know, it could be special and it relates and connects with you. That's what's great about this Disney community and with this topic as well. So I enjoyed this tonight going back in time, uh, doing a little bit of research and like I said, getting a little bit of the chills. Right, Dave, you know, like when you're 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 looking at these these, uh, you know, these ideas and topics, you're like, oh, man, that would have been so cool to go back in time and and be there for that. And It was just fun just to talk about it. It's what this podcast is all about. And I would love to see what our DDP family uh, comes up with uh, after the show drops. It'll be uh, fun to see what's important to everybody else out there. Very cool. Guys, I had a great time tonight. Justin, we miss you. We'll see you back in a couple of weeks. But uh, Patreon members, stick around because we're going to have another, I don't know, Dave, you said how to eat something contest or one oh, of those I, things. I, I just, I've got a, there's just different what things, that, different ways to do things. And I want your opinion on something. This, this, this will go back All to right. the big banana debate. So <laughs> It's going to go back to bananas or do you turn left? to Mexico or right to Canada. It's one of those. All right. All right, guys. Have a good night, and I will see you real soon. Cheers. See you, guys. From Mike, Justin, and myself, we want to say thank you. And remember, always keep it Disney. Each of us has a dream, a heart's desire. It calls to us. And when we're brave enough to listen and bold enough to pursue, that dream will lead us on a journey to discover who we're meant to be. All we have to do is look inside our hearts and unlock the magic within. Ready to begin. Let the world... And that's a wrap. This has been YDF Media Productions.